Hello, hello. What is up, church? All right, listen. I'm going to be real with you. I'm not going to, like, ask the same question two times, so I need y'all here with me the whole time. How's everybody doing? There we go. My goodness. Are you guys happy to be in the house of the Lord this afternoon? There's no better place to be. My goodness. All right. So for those of you guys that don't know, um, like Pastor Ruben just said, my name is Mike. Um, I am from Ignite Church over in Newark. This is like a second home, though. I absolutely love being here. Um, Pastor Roe, Pastor Lisa, they have my heart. Um, they reached out. They asked me to um, come and speak today. And what they didn't know and what they still don't know is today is actually my wedding anniversary. Yeah. We sell, me and my wife celebrate seven years married today, um, June 25th. As a matter of fact, Pastor Marquez is the one that married us. And yeah, that's right. Seven years ago. Um, so if you guys could just give my wife a shout real quick for letting me be here. Babe, I hope you heard that. Um, yeah, but that just shows really how much um, we love we love this church. We love your pastors. Um, when I told my wife, she was like, hey, like, that's kind of our anniversary. This is before I answered. And I was like, I mean, you know, they, like, he's asking me to come. Like, you know, what do you, what do you think? She was like, you know... It's Roe and Lisa, that's fine. Just go ahead, we'll, we'll do something another day. So that is our heart for, for this ministry. We love your pastors, Pastor Ruben as well, Pastor Marquez. We absolutely love um, you guys and being here. So it's always an honor to be here. Um, I will let you know a little bit more about myself. Most of you guys already know me, but I have a daughter. She is six. Uh, she actually just finished kindergarten. She is going into first grade next year. It's getting a little crazy. She's getting too old for me. Um, the sass is on a whole nother level. She is six with the sass of like a college girl that has already been through it. And I'm like, girl, you have no idea. And she's like, dad. I'm like, we're not doing that now, okay? Not now. I, it's supposed to be, daddy, I love you. Not dad, right? And then I have my son. Oh, boy. He is two. He gives a whole new definition to terrible twos. I love him, but he pushes every button that I didn't know I had, and he smiles about it. He finds it hilarious. As a matter of fact, I was on the phone with my wife on the way here, and my wife is telling him not to do something, and he is just looking at her smiling, continuing to do exactly what she said to stop doing. So it has been a roller coaster of a ride. Um, these kids are fantastic, but they make me feel like I'm like living in a fire. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm living in the fire right now. You know, a lot of times we use like this the saying, like, you know, I'm really going through the fire right now as like, a, man, I'm going through like a lot of trials, I'm going through a lot of obstacles. I'm going, I'm just going through it. Um, and, I, you know, all throughout the Bible, there are so many people that went through literal fires and then people that just went through like troubles, trials, tribulations, things like that. And, and today I kind of want to talk about um, our life living through the fire, like sometimes I don't know about you guys. It might just be me because I have two small children. But sometimes, like, I'm, I'm really going through it in my life. Like, it doesn't matter how long I've been following the Lord, how much I trust him, how deep my relationship is. Sometimes, though, I'm, like, going through the fire. Like, it, it gets a little rough every once in a while. And, and it makes me think of this story in Daniel 6. Um, it's actually about Daniel and the lion's den. And here we go. Uh, come with me right to, to verse 3. So essentially, it starts off, um, I'm going to go through the whole chapter. It's like 30-something verses. We're not going to read every single one, but y'all are going to get the whole story today. So right from the beginning, essentially, there's a king. His name is Darius, and he sets about 100 and... 
120, I believe, 127 satraps, they're called, which are pretty much governors in the land. And then there's three higher governors, and Daniel just so happens to be one of them. And here it says, Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was with him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the entire kingdom. You see, Daniel had an excellent spirit, just like all of us. Like if you're in here this, uh, this afternoon, I'm, I just want to tell you there's an excellent spirit dwelling on the inside of you, waiting to come out. Some of us, we're operating in that excellent spirit. Some of us, it's asleep. Me, it's asleep more often than not. So, but it's, it's there on the inside of us. And here, Daniel, you have, he's like this governor. He's the top guy to the point where the king is like, yo, I'm about to give you my job. Like, the king gave thought to setting him over the whole kingdom. And if you come down to, to um, I think it's verse, I think it's the next verse. Yes, I don't think I put it on there, I'm sorry. So essentially what happens here, he, he set himself above. So now all the other governors are jealous, right? Daniel has distinguished himself as the top guy to the point where King Darius is like, yo, I... I'm literally like, I'm going to quit and just hand you the reins because you're so great. Now, I don't know, like sometimes it happens in church, but it happens at like work a lot where you start to see somebody getting the favoritism and somebody getting all the shine and you're like, yo, that should be me, right? So what happens is these other governors pretty much plot against Daniel to try and get him to slip up so that way they, that way they could show that he is, he's not all that he's cracked up to be. You know what I mean? So he's, he's getting ready to go through the fire. And what happens here is the fire begins to bring heat, right? Fire, when we're going through these seasons, fire brings heat. He's getting the heat of everybody around him. He's getting the attention of everybody around him. Have you ever felt like when you're going through the fire, all of a sudden everybody starts to turn against you? Everybody that you thought was in your corner that you were working with starts to turn against you. Everybody who had really, really nice things to say to your face all of a sudden forgets every nice thing they've ever said about you and is now plotting to take you down. Has that happened to anybody else in here or is it just me? So sometimes the fire brings heat. That gets a little bit uncomfortable, right? That gets a little bit like, it gets discouraging as well. These people that I've been working with, these guys are pretty much his co-workers, man. These people that work for him, work with him. They see how distinguished he is, how loved he is by the king. So they decide that they are going to plot against him. See, there's, there's this saying, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. I raise this question to you today. What do I do if my whole life is the kitchen? Right? Sometimes it feels like my entire life is the kitchen. I can't stand the heat, but I've got nowhere else to go. I just so happen to keep walking from fire to fire to fire to fire to blazing furnace, like it's, it gets crazy after a while, right? Like, like what, what else am I supposed to do? I can't stand the heat, but my life is the kitchen. There's nowhere else for me to go. See, Daniel was this man of valor, this man of integrity. And essentially what happens here, if you see where they, when the heat starts to introduce itself is right after, go ahead, pull verse three right back up for me. It is immediately after the king gave thought to setting him over the whole kingdom. It is immediately after a promotion was on the way. The heat started to show itself immediately after promotion was in thought, elevation was in thought. I want to encourage you this afternoon, if you feel like you've been going through fire, if you feel like people are starting to turn against you, if you feel like things are coming against you, if you're starting to feel the heat of everything around you, there's a possibility a promotion is on the way. There's a possibility that there's a deeper call to the Lord's love that's getting ready to come on you. There's a possibility that the calling that the Lord has put on your life, the Lord is ready to take you to that next level. If you're starting to feel the heat, don't be discouraged by it. Be encouraged by it. Because what that means is that promotion is on the way. 
So essentially what happens here in verse 5, the governors pretty much are like, listen, we're not going to find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So pretty much Daniel, like I said, distinguished in his role. This guy's got a clean record. This is a politician that has never done anything crooked in his life. It's very rare, but we're going to leave that alone. So they're like, listen, we're not going to find, you know how they say like everybody's got skeletons in their closet. They looked in Daniel's closet. There was nothing there. So they said the only way that we're going to get him is if we find something against him concerning the law of his God. So what did they do? See, they knew that his integrity in his governmental position and in his natural position was not something that could be shaken. So what they did was they attacked his relationship with the Lord. See, sometimes if, 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 if the enemy knows that your integrity can't be touched, he's going to attack your intimacy. See, and what happens here is King Darius signs this decree. They convince Darius to sign this decree that nobody, nobody can worship anybody except for Darius. See, they went after Daniel's intimacy because they knew, they were like, listen, we might not be able to get him to slip up here. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to attack his heart. I'm going to attack his his intimacy with his Lord. Now he's going to have to prove, are you truly a man of integrity? What what is more valuable to you? The the appeal and the thought and the opinion of man or your relationship with your God? And this is exactly where Daniel finds himself. Because when they sign this, again, Darius thinks he is amazing. King Darius is like, yo, this is the guy. But if he breaks the rule, is, is he still going to think he's the guy? Is he still going to think he's that amazing? Is he still going to think that he is, he is worthy of taking on the rest of the kingdom? So now Daniel gets this, this, this decision that he has to make. He's got to make a decision. Am I going to allow man to tell me that I can't have a relationship with my God? See, Daniel is blessed in his position. But they, want, they don't want to attack his position. They want to attack his intimacy with the Lord. And I'm telling you, that is a lot of what's going on in the world now. They're trying to attack our intimacy with the Lord. It's not necessarily about what do you believe. It's don't talk to the Lord. Don't mention his name. I remember, I remember there was um, a youth event years ago, years ago that I got invited to. I was just like playing piano or something like that. And it was a youth event that actually, like, the, the event coordinator had asked us not to use the name Jesus. Right. That was my reaction. But, like, I was, like, 18 maybe, so I just stayed quiet. Right? But it, it, was, it was a youth event. It's like, oh, no, no, we, didn't wanna, we don't want to scare people off with the name Jesus. And it's like, but, like, aren't, isn't that, like, the whole point? <laughs> like, we don't necessarily have to scare them off. But... If there's only one name that saves and only one name that breaks addiction and only one name that breaks generational curses and only one name that, that freed my soul and saved my life and broke every chain that's been assigned to me. If there's only one name that does it and you're saying that's the single name that I can't say, right? Like that, that is exactly where Daniel finds himself here. Like it's attacking his intimacy. Just don't say anything that has to do with Jesus, okay? We're not telling you that you have to disbelieve We're not telling you that you have to stop believing in Jesus. We're just telling you to keep it quiet. And if you look at verse 10, look at verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. I love how they preface this verse when After Daniel had learned that the decree had been published, the decree that said anybody who calls on the Lord and worships the Lord is going to get thrown into a den of lions and killed. After that decree comes out, Daniel's response is, okay, I'm going home. I'm going upstairs, windows wide open, and I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, right? That was Daniel's response. And so many of us, so many of us have forgotten that kind of response. We've, we've gotten timid. 
I have gotten timid. It's all of us, right? Like we get timid. When you start to hear that somebody, this person is threatening his life, Daniel's life is literally now on the line. His life is on the line. And his choice is, I will choose intimacy over my natural integrity any day of the week. My intimacy with the Lord is the greatest thing. It is higher than anything. It is my number one priority. It doesn't matter what threat you put against me or anything. My intimacy with the Lord is not the thing that's going to be shaken. And if you look at the end of this, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Which means this was a habit that was already established. This was a habit that was established before he was on the mountaintop, before he was the distinguished one, just as he had done before, before now his life is threatened, just as he had done before, he was on his knees worshiping. I will praise him on the mountain. I'll praise him in the valley, right? That is Daniel's mentality. When I'm on top, when I'm ready to be king, I'm going home three times a day with my arms open wide, my windows wide open. Everybody's hearing the joy and the thanks that I have for the Lord. When my life is on the line now, I'm doing the exact same thing. When everything is at risk, when I'm at risk of losing everything that I've worked for, my response is to go do what I have been doing since day one. I'm not going to change my habit because God hasn't changed his grace. I'm not going to change my habit because God hasn't changed his faithfulness. When I'm on the mountain, he was faithful because he got me there. When I'm in the valley, he's still faithful because he's going to get me out of there. And that's Daniel's mentality here. Just as he had done before. He did not allow the fire starting around him to shift his habits with the Lord. There's a story three chapters before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They run into the exact same thing. King Nebuchadnezzar, they put this this trial together and they're like, no, nobody can worship any other God. And they're like, you're going to bow to the statue of me. And the three of them were like, nope, ain't going to be me. So their response was to get thrown into a fiery furnace. Here we are again. We've got Daniel. Hey, you can't praise your God. Well, going to do it anyway. You don't know the bear you're poking, right? Like I am going to do as I please. And if you see here, this right here brings me to what else fire brings. Fire brings exposure, See, fire brings exposure. What it exposes here is Daniel's heart. It exposes Daniel's heart to the point where Daniel's heart is not going to be shifted on the surroundings and the situations going around him. I don't know about you, but sometimes fire doesn't expose things so great with me. With Daniel, it apparently did. I don't necessarily live exactly like that. Like, I don't have the same testimony as Daniel. There have been fires that have exposed some not-so-pretty things. Maybe it's more exposed how little my intimacy is with God or how little I trust the Lord. Or, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes that's what happens, but that's what the purpose of fire is. Not just to bring the heat, but to expose as well. So here we see that it exposes his heart posture. It exposes his intimacy, his level of trust and intimacy with the Lord. You know, and I think of uh, the story with the three little pigs. And you've got these three pigs. I am just going to assume that they're brothers. And to me, the third pig is the oldest one with brick. And we'll explain why later. But that doesn't matter. So anyway, um, because I'm the oldest. So anyway, so we've got the three little pigs here. Each one of them built a house. One built it on straw, on hay, and the other one built it on sticks, and the last one built it on brick. Each one of them thought that their house was totally fine. Each one of them thought that this is exactly what I need. Like, this fits my purpose. The the first one with straw was like, I don't need anything crazy, like nothing like high maintenance. I'm good with just straw. You know what I mean? Like brick, it's so expensive. Like 
takes a long time. Like, this is easy. I can just set it up really quick. It's all done. If I need to move, I can pack it all up. Like, I've got my straw house. You know what happened? It took a fire coming to expose the weakness in his foundation. It took the big bad, big, bad wolf coming, huff, puff, blow, bang. There goes the house, the house that he thought was totally fine, the house that he thought fit him, that he was comfortable in. It took an obstacle to come in front of him to be like, hey, there's something in your foundation that's wrong, and he lost everything. See, we need these fires in our life. The issues and the struggles that we go through are necessary because they need to expose what needs to be worked on in us. We can't allow the Lord to try and elevate us when we don't have the foundation to sustain it. If you have a cracked foundation, building a, 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 thing, a hotel 24 stories high is not helping anybody. You need to fix the foundation first. Come with me to um, 1 Corinthians 3. I thought this was great. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, stones, wood, hay, straw, all the three little pig stuff, by the way. I think that's where they got the story from. It's just a theory. Their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. We are not called to just barely make it out of the fire. We're not called. See, I, I like how it says you'll be saved even though you kind of just made it through. Although sometimes it might feel like we just made it through, in actuality, there's been a lot that gets refined and refreshed on the inside when we go through stuff. We aren't called to just the bare minimum. Like, I, I just got out of here. You see, the fire, it exposes that complacency that I'm okay with where I'm at. I am good with the straw house because it doesn't rain that much over here. I don't really need anything too crazy. But then it exposes that the foundation is not strong enough when trials come. Because trials will come. As a matter of fact, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, trials will come. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Trials will come. He didn't say you might find yourself in an, a sticky situation. He didn't say, hey, like, people might not like you. As a matter of fact, he said, everybody's going to persecute you like they persecuted me. Everybody's going to hate you just like they hated me. So that's a fire right there. It's exposing what we need to work on the inside. It's exposing that foundational work that needs to, that needs to happen. That day is... is, is that day is so crucial when we, when we walk through that fire. That day is so crucial that we test everything that we've been building up. See, like, I don't build my kids' furniture or, like, like a dresser or a closet or anything or, like, a chair without, like, giving it a little. You know what I'm saying? Is there a chair? If I, no, it's fine. Okay, we're going to pretend there's a chair here. If I just built this chair... I'm like, you know, not insanely small. My wife told me I'm not allowed to say I'm big anymore. So I'm not insanely small. <laughs> but like, if I build a chair, it's not necessarily that I don't trust the chair. I don't necessarily trust who made the chair. So I give it like a little test first. And it could, if it could take a little bit of my weight, that's when I'll sit on it. And that is what it's talking about when it's talking about our foundation here and how it's going to be tested. It's like, hey, there's going to be a day that comes where you got to put your full weight on this thing. So give it a little test. Let's give it a little test first and not run the other way. See, what happens when we end up in these fire situations, we need to have faith. Our faith is what's being tested. And sometimes we can't find our faith when we're in the midst of the fire because it's overshadowed by our fear. It's overshadowed by our fear. A lot of us are afraid of the exposure. That's me. 
I am not a huge fan of exposure. I consider myself a fairly private person. I try to be as transparent as possible. But at the same time, there is a fear of that kind of exposure. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want people to see the issues that I have going on. You know, when I'm up here, I really try to be transparent because I, I feel like it finds you a little bit more relatable and you could understand that I'm not perfect. But I don't let, like, everybody into absolutely everything. You know what I'm saying? I don't fully expose myself to the world. And that's out of fear. And what happens is, Fear causes us to run the other direction when fire is there. So then we don't allow the exposure to happen. And when we don't allow the exposure to happen, we don't allow the refinement to happen. See, when we don't allow the exposure to happen, we don't allow the Lord to prune what he needs to prune in us. We don't allow him to burn away what needs to be burned away. We don't allow him to finish the work that he's trying to put in on the inside of us because we run the opposite direction. See, fear... Is just a feeling, right? We have feelings like frustration, bitterness, and all this other stuff. And feelings are great. But feelings are meant to be felt, not necessarily followed. Right? Like, I'm, I, I might feel scared, but, but that doesn't mean that I need to walk scared. You know what I'm saying? And here we are. We're choosing. A lot of us are choosing this fear over the fire because we don't want to deal with it. We're afraid of what's going to happen on the inside. We're afraid of what the Lord's going to expose on the inside. We're afraid that we might not make it out. But we need that exposure because what we're carrying is not going to be able to hold where the Lord is bringing us. right? And we need to expose those weaknesses. We need to expose those cracks in the foundation here. See, Daniel, he's got an option. He's got an option here where he could choose fear or he could choose faith. Am I going to choose fear or am I going to choose faith? My life is on the line. Somebody's literally going to kill me because I'm worshiping. Am I, am I going to be afraid of that or am I going to just trust the God I know? Am I going to trust the relationship that I have with the Lord? Am I going to trust in his character that I've gotten to know? That key there is intimacy, though. You, you can't know the Lord's heart if you don't spend time with him. See, when, when it said Daniel, he went up and worshiped just like he did before. The reason he did that is because of all the times done before. The reason he went up and worshiped when he was in the valley is because of how many times he worshiped while he was on the mountain. And as, as he got deeper into worship, he deeper understood the heart of God. He understood more the, the, the love of the Father, the care for the Lord, his relationship with God, how much the Lord wanted to, to, to bring him into excellence. He understood that, but he understood that from the times before. See, so it allows you that intimacy, that, that, those times that you set aside with the Lord allows you to walk through the, the fire with faith. It allows you to walk through the fire with faith instead of fear. And when you walk through the fire with faith instead of fear, you allow the Lord to complete what he's trying to complete on the inside and get you ready for what he wants to do with you. Remember, this fire doesn't come without promotion, right? That's the whole reason it's coming. But if you find yourself in the same fire over and over and over and over again, maybe it's because you ran away and you didn't let it complete its work the first time. I've done that a whole bunch of times. How many times I've run away from the fire and then I'm like, God, why do I keep dealing with the same issue over and over and over? Because I'm trying to refine this little area and you're not letting me. And the only way I can refine this area is if I put you through this. You have to allow me to get you through it, but you're not allowing yourself to walk in it. You're not allowing yourself to walk through it. So you wonder why you keep going through the test. God, why haven't I moved to this level yet? Like, God, I know you've spoken this word that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm gonna... Yes, but if I gave that to you now, your foundation is not strong enough to handle it. So then everything that you've worked for, everything that you built is just going to come crumbling down. And then we have to start all the way back from the beginning. So why don't we just take care of that issue now? Allow me to take care of the issue now. So that way, when that time comes, your foundation is ready. You're good. Listen, the higher you get, the more fires you're going to face. So if you can't turn to the Lord now in this tiny fire, what makes you think you're going to turn to the Lord then? I, man, I heard this message one time on giving, and now I apply it to everything. Stephen Furtick was like, yeah, you know, some people say like, you know, 
if I'm a millionaire, that's, that's when I'll be able to give because I'll be able to afford it. And it's like, well, technically, you're supposed to give 10%. If I only make $100 a week, I only got to give $10 a week. If I make a million dollars a week, I don't just give $10 a week. No, no, 10% of a million dollars is a lot more than 10% of $100. And if I can't part with $10, what makes you think I'm going to part with $10,000? And it's the same thing here. Man, if I, if I can't turn to the Lord now when I'm going through like these little things, if I can't rely on the relationship and the intimacy and the worship that I've put in beforehand, if I can't do that now, what makes you think that I'm going to be able to do it when I'm on the top of the mountain going through it? That's why half, half of these people quit. They just run. They're like, listen, I got up here. It was ridiculous. I'm done. I quit. I'm out. Right? It's that intimacy with the Lord, that foundational peace. That, see how in, in 1 Corinthians 13, there's a, right from the beginning. Where, why can't I read it? For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. That intimacy with him is the foundation. That one-on-one with him is the foundation that we're building on. And there are little things. There are little things getting in the way. And the fire is what allows us to expose it. So now Daniel, he chooses faith in this situation. He had the option. Is he going to choose fear or is he going to choose faith? He chooses faith. He worships the Lord. They bring, they go before King Darius and they're like, hey. The guy who's been breaking the law is your boy. And this is the way that they put it. I didn't put the the thing in there. This is the way they put it. It hit me like two days ago. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who was the one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. See, what they could have said to Darius, they could have said, hey, your boy Daniel's like not really listening. Like you... You put this decree out. You said, hey, no praying to any other God but you and blah, blah, blah. He's not really, like, listening to that. They could have said, hey, like, Daniel's worshiping anyway. But no, they said, they made it personal. They went to Darius and they said, hey, Daniel pays no attention to you. See, the guy that you, like, think is good enough to be, like, in your position and take over... He doesn't even, like, respect you. He doesn't even, it's as if you didn't even speak. Sometimes I feel like my kids do that with me. It's like, any parents in the room, have you ever, like, looked at your kids and been like, do I even speak? My son, for, like, a little portion of his life, only understood Spanish. So it literally was like I wasn't even speaking when I talked to him. Because I would say something to him in English, and he'd just stare at me. Right? So that, that's what they're doing. They're pointing, they're, they're poking at Darius's pride. And they're like, hey, this guy who's underneath you, who you're saying is supposed to take over for you, he doesn't even, like, honor you like that. He's like, he doesn't even pay attention to you. How many fires have we started around us because we allowed the enemy to placate towards our pride? How many fires did we start for the people around us because we allowed the enemy to start poking at our pride? See here, Darius didn't want to send Daniel into the lion's den. As a matter of fact, before they told him it was Daniel, they confirmed with him. They were like, hey, hey, you made this decree, which means you can't go back on it. So it doesn't matter, right? And he's like, yeah, no, I I made the decree. That's, that's, That's for real. So they're like, okay. Hey, Daniel doesn't even pay attention to you. And now the king is upset about this. He doesn't want to send Daniel in there. But what they do, they, they went towards his pride. And they were poking at his pride. They were pro- poking at, at his hierarchy now. Hey, are you going to like, you're going to let him deal with you like, like you're going to let him just ignore you like that? Dude, he, he doesn't even pay attention to you. He's not even listening to the words coming out of your mouth. You hold no rank in his life. Like Daniel, he's just doing his own thing. It's as if he's already the king. 
He's already the captain. He don't have to listen to you. They're, they're poking at Darius's pride. And then that causes the fire that Daniel is in right here. I can't tell you how many times I have allowed the enemy to start poking at my pride. And then I'm in the fire and I'm wondering why a fire started and I started it myself. I started it myself because of pride, right? Like I started it, I started it myself and that's one of those things that the fire begins to expose. It exposes sometimes the pride that's on the inside. You know, how many of you guys have been in Matrix before? Right. If y'all haven't been in Matrix, y'all got to come through. We got the retreat coming in August, y'all. Let me tell you, it's going to be on and popping. We ready. Where's that? Matrix. Okay, cool. Yeah. In In Matrix, right? It's all about asking Holy Spirit to reveal your truth. Like, God, I'm, I'm dealing with this. I'm, like, struggling with this. Holy Spirit, reveal your truth. I can't tell you how many times I'm like, Holy Spirit, reveal your truth. And then he's like, well, you got this, this, and this. And then I go, nope, not that one. Give me a different one. As a matter of fact, I was on the phone with Reuben a couple weeks ago, right? And Reuben, I, I've said this a million times, Reuben is like the best friend that you didn't know you had. Because you don't necessarily hang out all the time. But every time you speak on the phone, I just spill my whole life out to Reuben, right? And he always, bro, always answers the call. That's my boy. Love him. So Pastor Reuben, he's the bomb. So I'm on the phone with him, and I'm like spilling my guts out. And then Reuben's like, yeah, well, like, so what about this? And I'm like, nah, nah, that's not it. No, I don't think... Are you sure? Because, you know, it kind of seems like this. No, nope, that's not. That's how, that's how we be acting with God sometimes. God, reveal. Reveal what needs to be worked on. Your pride. No, it's not my pride. I'm not prideful. Right? This, we're in the fire. Man, that, that's, man you're only going to get what you need to get out of the fire if you can be honest with yourself. I can't tell you how many times it is right in front of my face what my problem is, but I refuse to be honest with myself and say, yeah, this is an issue I have to deal with. Like, I just, I just won't be honest with myself, right? It doesn't matter how many, the Lord can come manifest right here as a man, and I will know it's God, and he will speak with his deep voice with all the reverb on it that echoes and be like, this is your problem, and I'll go, get behind me. Like... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Have you ever been there? Right? Because it's, it's exposing those uncomfortable things here. And this is, this is something that's being exposed in Darius, his pride. And if you'll see what happens later. Come with me to verse 19 here. So like I said, Daniel, he chooses to take the path of faith in this situation. He's like, listen, I made my bed. I'm going to lay in it. You know what I mean? Like, I worship God. If I got to lay with the lions, I'm going to lay with the lions. So he spends the night with the lions, and this is exactly what happens. Like I said, King Darius, he is not happy about this. Daniel is his boy. Like, this is like my, my son, my mentee, you know? So he, it actually, the Bible says that he didn't eat, he didn't sleep, he didn't do nothing. And for a king, like, kings eat. Like, they get food nonstop. They have entertainment around them. He did none of that because he was so worried about Daniel in the lion's den. So right at first light, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Stay right there. Even he notices Daniel's intimacy. Hey, I know I said you're not supposed to worship him, but I am really hoping he came through on this one. Because I love you, and I'm really upset that you had to spend this time in there. Listen, servant of the living God has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions. Go ahead. This is Daniel's response. Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the lion's dead. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him. 
we could have the worship team come up because he had trusted in God. See right here, it says that he was found innocent in his sight. And that doesn't mean that Daniel was perfect. That doesn't mean that Daniel never made mistakes. What it meant was Daniel's heart was in the right place the entire time. His heart was for the Lord the entire time from start to finish. See, Daniel allowed room for God to show up. There have been so many times, even in a worship set or while I'm preaching or when I'm even at home, and I'm like, God, do what only you can do. But I refuse to allow myself in a situation that God can only get me out of. God, do what only you can do, but I refuse to get in that uncomfortable situation that I can't work myself out of. I only put myself in situations that stand like, oh, you know what? If God doesn't show up, it's okay. I got it. Financially, if God doesn't show up and give me some radical check this week, that's fine. I have my nine to five job. I can still cover rent and groceries and this and that. It's okay. If God doesn't show up for X, Y, and Z, it's okay because I'm prepared for that. I have my plan B. See here? Daniel had no plan B. As a matter of fact, God showing up was plan B. Plan A was he was dead. And he was getting eaten by the lions. But Daniel walked in and was like, listen, I saw this post the other day that said, fear asks what if. Faith says even if. So Daniel went in with faith saying, God, even if you don't show up, I'm here. I'm here for you. I know your heart and I know that you're going to, but even if you don't, I'm here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in chapter 3. They actually say, even if he doesn't, even if God doesn't save us, we're still going to worship him. See, it's not sitting on the what ifs. God, what if you don't get me out of this? God, this fire that we're in. God, what what if you don't get me through? What if I don't make it? What if I die while I'm in there? Like, what? what if I come crumbling down? What if, what if? No, no, no. We're sitting in faith and Daniel's here like, God, even if you don't, I'm in. I'm in the fire. See, either way in this story, I can believe that Daniel had some type of fear. I can believe as a human being, when I read these stories, I don't read them as like fantasy. I read them as like, this is a real human being. A real human being is scared of a lion's den. I am obsessed with lions. I have a lion tattooed on my arm. I love them. I will not voluntarily go into a den of lions, though. And it's not because, like, you know, I think it would be cool to pet one. I think it would be, I I really do. I'm afraid. I'm not going to lie. I have some fear. But I'm not about to walk into the lion's den here. There had to have been a little bit of fear sitting in there, but Again, like I said, feelings, they're meant to be felt, not followed. And Daniel had this opportunity. I feel the fear, but I'm going to walk the faith. I feel the fear, but I'm going to walk the faith. Say it with me. Feel the fear. Walk the faith. Feel the fear. Walk the faith. I might feel this on the inside. I might feel a little anxious but I'm not going to walk in it. I'm going to walk in faith. See, I I can remember other stories throughout the Bible. Like I said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they felt the fear before they go in the furnace, but they walked the faith and there ended up being a fourth man in the fire, an angel of God sent to protect them to the point where King Nebuchadnezzar raises up the heat seven times and they still come out unscathed. I think about a story of a man named Joseph whose brothers got jealous of him and sold him into slavery feeling fear, getting thrown into a pit, sold to slavery, but he walked the faith, trusting his Lord, and he ended up ruling over the whole kingdom. I think about somebody named Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane asking the Lord, God, if I don't have to do this, if, for, if, if somehow this cup could pass for me, please do it. But he walked the faith. He walked that path to Calgary. And still, The trajectory of all mankind was changed forever because he felt the fear but walked the faith. He didn't walk in his fear. He didn't allow fear to dictate dictate how he would go moving forward, where he would go moving forward. And there's so many of us that are so stuck and swallowed in our fear. Fear is overbearing. I tell you, I have fear when it comes to my kids constantly. 
there are some nights that I have a hard time sleeping. And all that is is the Lord trying to expose my lack of trust with him. We're in, we're in a time where it's a fear culture. There's a cancel culture, but they want you to be afraid. They want you to be afraid of being canceled, to be honest with you, right? You have the option whether you're going to feel the fear and walk the fear or feel the fear and walk the faith. If you come with me here to verse 26, this is a byproduct of Daniel walking the faith here. It says, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues, he saves, he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. None of this would have been possible if Daniel tucked away in fear. Darius went from telling the entire kingdom, you can't worship anybody but me, to now saying, you can't worship anybody but the living God. His stance took a complete 180, and all it took was one man deciding not to walk in fear, but to walk in faith. It took one man deciding that my intimacy with the Lord is going to be greater than the fire surrounding me. It took one man saying, God, do what only you can do, and I'm going to trust you the entire way through. I believe that there is a generation that needs for us to go ahead and feel whatever fear you have, but to walk the faith. Staten Island cannot wait much longer. Nork can't wait much longer. Wherever you're from can't wait much longer. There is an entire society out there of people telling us we can't worship the God that we worship. Telling us that, listen, Daniel had the option to tuck away. This decree was only for 30 days. It wasn't an entire like for the rest of his life. For 30 days, all Daniel had to do was tuck away and be quiet. And he said, no, I'm going to go and worship like I did. I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to do exactly what I did before. We have the option to be quiet and have our intimacy and our relationship and our faith in the Lord in secret. But God can't do that if we're doing that in secret. He can't shift the mindset of the world, the relationship with him and the world. He can't shift the perspective of people. See, this perspective of saying nobody's going to worship God turned into everybody's going to worship God. It went from nobody's going to believe in God, nobody's going to honor God to, listen, you better believe and honor God because this is a God that's not just of mere words. This is a God of action. We don't serve a kingdom that's of mere words and talking nice. No, we serve a kingdom of power. It's demonstrations of power. If you guys could stand all over the room. I really believe that the Lord is going to increase faith tonight. I believe that a lot of us have found ourselves in the midst of the fire. A lot of us have found ourselves in the heat of it, in the thick of it. And not for nothing, a lot of us have chosen to run. A lot of us have chosen fear. And that's okay. This is not a place of condemnation. I am the first to tell you, most of the time, fear is my first answer. Running away is my first answer. But I believe the Lord tonight wants to increase your faith in him. He doesn't want to take you out of the fire. He wants to take you through the fire. If he takes you out of the fire, it's not gonna be able to serve its purpose. You're not gonna be able to be refined the way that he wants to refine. My favorite verse, James chapter one, verses two, three, and four. It talks about consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then verse four says, let perseverance finish its work in you. Consider it joy when you face these trials but you have to allow perseverance to finish it work, finish its work. We can't just get out when it gets a little hairy, when it gets a little uncomfortable. We can't just walk away when somebody says something that we don't like, when, when our spiritual parents come with some correction for us. We can't just step away because it gets uncomfortable. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. Growth is uncomfortable. 
So if you really feel like, can we call up the prayer, prayer counselors? I believe that the Lord wants to increase our faith because the fires aren't the things that are going to go away. But how we make it through is what can change. What we shift our eyes on, what we put our eyes on is the thing that can change where we just focus on the Lord the entire way through from start to end. It might be a little bit uncomfortable, but I am not afraid. I will feel the fear, but I am going to walk the faith. I will feel feel the anxiety, but I'm going to walk the faith. I'll feel the depression and the frustration, but I'm going to choose to walk in faith. If you feel like you have been in that season of fire and you need an increase of your faith, I want you to come. I want the prayer team. I'm going to come down too, and we're just going to pray for you because I believe tonight the Lord is putting his seal of approval on you and increasing your faith. There's a promotion on the horizon for a lot of people in here. There's a promotion on the horizon. There's an elevation. I was talking to Pastor Ruben before. This church has elevated immensely in just the last six months from one end to another. We need to elevate with it. What the Lord has called Kuhau to do, he's called everybody in here to be a part of. He hasn't called you to just attend. And that's great. If you're here for the first time, we want you to plug in here. We want you to be here. This is a good house. This is good soil. But Kuhau has a mandate for this city, for Staten Island. And it comes with us walking in the faith. It comes with us feeling whatever we're feeling, but walking in faith and being empowered to do so. This song that they're going to go into, it says, rain came, wind blew. We sang it right in the, in, the, in the first half of worship. And I thought it was so funny. I texted Yvette and she was like, that's God, because we're already doing that song. I was like, perfect. Rain came, wind blew, but my house was built on you. See, if you go back to the three little pigs, the house with straw fell, the house with stick fell. But that older brother, and I say he's the older brother because you only learn these things through experience, right? And he built it on brick. Those two pigs, they didn't have the right foundation, but they knew somebody who did. Sometimes the Lord is calling us to be that that, that spot, that hub that people can run to. I might not have the right foundation, but I know he does. So I'm going to run to him and learn from him and really be like a sponge and learn, okay, why did you choose stone? What did you go through? That's why we need to be able to expose our experiences as well. Because when we start building our house on brick, people need to understand why. People need to understand what we went through so that way they don't have to go through it. We say it all the time. We're raising kids. I went through it so they don't have to. It's the same thing. It's the same thing with the body of Christ. It's the same thing with church. We went through it so you don't have to. Come to your brother. Come to be that open door. Rain came, wind blew. My house was built on you. And then it says, I am safe with you. I'm going to make it through. It doesn't say I'm going to avoid it. It doesn't say I'm going to run the opposite direction. It says I'm going to make it through. And I believe that that's what the Lord wants to do with us tonight.